0: Welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hune. Our mission is to help you gain your freedom from the exhausting, never-ending corporate rat race. Because time is our most valuable asset. And life's just too short to do work we hate. Thanks for slowing down. Welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast, everybody. Today, my guest is my friend, Kim Skirmer. Kim and I met, what was it, maybe about... Six, seven months ago some at some point last year, and she's become a friend, colleague, and, and someone that i've I've grown to really like and and respect. We have great conversations we're both very strong willed we both have a lot of opinions, but we listen to each other, and I think usually our conversations lead to breakthroughs for both of us so it's been an amazing um, relationship that we've been able to establish, and I'm really glad to uh, to share one of our conversations with you, the listener here today so Kim. You've had a very successful career, both as an athlete in your earlier life and then in your career in the financial services industry as well. you were making a lot of money, having a lot of success. But you and I have both found that having that money and the success doesn't necessarily bring you happiness. And sometimes it's kind of confusing as to why that's the case. So I'm curious if you can explain a little bit about What kept you from slowing down and truly enjoying, you know, the money that you were bringing in?
1: Sometimes it's it's addicting when you are achieving more and more and more and you don't spend enough reflective time figuring out why is this goal important and why do I need to achieve this? Am I seeking validation from the wrong place? Am I listening to external noises out there? Am I actually showing up like a manic and hold my beer and watch me do this? Don't you dare tell me that I can't, right? There's, there's all of these things that come together when we start showing up and looking at the wrong goal and the wrong place and why we're doing it. So I was high six figures when I left the corporate side and financial services industry, right? I was senior management driving the fancy BMW, or sorry, BMW, oh my goodness, edit that one out, sorry, Mercedes convertible, Um, you know, having a blast, having a cottage, living on the water in Toronto, all of these things that were not who I am. I was filling a role and acting because of the world I thought I was in and what they wanted from me. And that was horrible. So looking back at that time when I was in corporate and when and part of the reason why I left corporate and out on my own and hung my own shingle is all about this false feeling and this imposter syndrome comes usually not from who we're not showing up imposter syndrome I believe comes from not from who we're not showing up as it's who we're showing up as so I think it's rooted in our activities and how we're acting outwardly and the imposter syndrome or the feelings that we feel is actually our subconscious or our mind saying, Kim, what the heck are you doing? That's not who you are. Right? So there's this weird struggle that starts to happen inside our minds and how we show up and what we need to do. So I thought, gosh, I spent every dime, every penny, every, every penny. and family, trips, cars, food, wine, all of those things that are not who I am at all. And it took me a long time to figure that out. It's tough.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting way to look at imposter syndrome because a lot of times I think we look at imposter syndrome as like feeling like we're not good enough, like we're not able to to fit into whatever it is, some external expectation. But it's actually... That no, we truly are being an imposter. <laughs> like we're lying to ourselves and we're not being who we should be.
1: Yes, yes. So that's that part that people don't get, right? It, it honestly is that part of everyone out there with all these noise and, you know, the gurus out there, life coaches, whatever it may be. Anxiety comes from avoidance, right? And so imposter syndrome is part of anxiety. So we're avoiding truly who we are, our underlining meaning of who we are as human beings in the world, in business, showing up for our family, because we are listening to the external pressures that are out there, because it's everywhere with us. The noise is everywhere. It's impossible not to have these pressures or feel it. The important part is figuring out how do you manage it?
0: So after you've had a lot of time to reflect back on your life and career what do you think drove you to be that imposter
1: so playing the woman card of driving me to be that imposter it's that it's that industry where there was such high pressures to bring in and be that high achieving female that everyone's talking about climbing the corporate ladder in high heels having your voice heard, the pats on the backs, the otta girls, the validation that came from, wow, Kim's so smart. She's on the stage. She's the one to watch. And I found myself pushing so hard, not knowing why I was truly doing this and why I wanted and needed to show up and what was behind that reason of showing up all the time. So when I left corporate and hung my own shingle and the reason why I did that and go back to corporate and got that pit in my gut when people had asked me to come be a president, vice president, senior vice president, come run this. And I said, no, I can't because I know that my true authentic self does not belong at that boardroom table at all. I don't belong there. I have a very different way of looking at things. I do understand how corporate structure works and I'm so thankful for that. And I do understand now when I do have the challenges and something's rubbing me the wrong way in the industry or I see an advisor having a challenge with understanding something, I can actually step in and explain to him saying, okay, this is why this is happening, right? Accept it or not, I just want you to have understanding of why something is happening. So that imposter syndrome that I felt and how to deal with it and how to pull through it truly just came with, just go be yourself and take that chance. I know I've had hundreds of conversations around what people are looking for. And it doesn't make sense for it to happen in a corporate environment. It's not scalable. It doesn't make sense at all. It has to be done in a singular way with getting mass, mass collaboration alongside from external people. That is not the manufacturer. That's not the distributor. That's not the carrier.
0: It's not their job. So you mentioned that being a woman was part of what drove, you know, the, the imposter syndrome or, or your attempt to be an imposter. Um, you've also been a very high achieving person for a long, long time. I think in our discussions, it seems like your whole life you've been a high achiever. Can you expl- talk to us a little bit about your experience as an elite athlete and being that high achiever and maybe how that transfers over to doing so in your corporate, well, in your corporate life as well?
1: So I'm going to jump into some psychology here. When we are going through life and when we are growing up, there are all these stages of developments of arcs that we need to go through. And so it's the poet. So that's wonderment when we're younger, then it's the soldier and it's having structure, it's having boundaries, it's marching towards a common cause with someone. And then it's sage showing up in your wisdom and then it's king, right? Showing up in your authority. And what happens with a lot of people who are high achievers, who are very driven, who go with your burnout later on in life, and feel vacant and void when even they're this high achiever in athletics, in business, in their work or career, missing that soldier phase when we were growing up. And so missing that structure, missing that soldier phase of having those 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 boundaries, right? And having that just stop muscling through it and just listen and take guidance and follow these rules. That breaks us. That's the part that I've had to go over in the last couple of years of dealing with actually putting structure in my life because I'm incredibly intelligent, I'm very witty, I'm smart, all of these pieces. So I can get myself out of a lot of shit, right? Because I'm smart. So this is what I coach. It's this mix of psychology of understanding the development phases of a human being. And the development phases are exactly the same and necessary in business as we go through. Right? And it always starts with structure.
0: Yeah, one thing you said there that really resonated with me was um, getting to a point where you, you just want to sort of stop muscling through. And because I, I had this voice in my head my whole life, like, just grin and bear it, just muscle through, just get it done. And if you don't, you're, you're a quitter, you're a failure, you know. Um, so when you finally de- decided that it was okay to stop muscling through and, you know, build some structure, Around more impo- you know, the most important things that you needed to do. How did you determine like how to narrow things down and what to actually build that structure around?
1: First one got some help. Went and saw a therapist and just understood that I'm not crazy, I'm not nuts, I'm not weird. This is normal. <laughs> this is part of life, right? And it cannot happen in the world that we live in today. Right. So figuring out that whole program of building that structure, how to find who I am again, after I was, I was injured. That's why I stopped sports, right? Had a double hip replacement at age 44. And it was all those things of, okay, what is my true identity? Who am I? I I really don't know who I am because I've muscled through everything. I never took time to grieve. I never took time to take care of myself. And by looking at and going through these experiences myself, and then leaning on my coaching background, and then leaning on my corporate executive position background, and all the work I have done that's helped me get to where I am, putting these missing pieces into place of, okay, nobody gets this or understands what I'm trying to say. What is missing? How are so many people failing over and over? Why does the financial services industry Failing over and over, bringing in new advisors, right? Why is it the same thing over and over? We haven't changed. So by looking at it and putting these whole pieces together, it's first about getting quiet, getting really creative, sitting there, looking, sitting in wonderment, understanding who you are as a human being. And then building those habits because you can't change anything at all until you've actually built those habits. So we hear about discipline all the time. And it's not discipline, yes, but it's in a softer sense and a softer understanding of you need to develop those habits. If you don't develop those habits, you're muscling through with discipline and you think you just need to muscle down and that's not it, right? So create your habits, then create your goals, and then lead within the wisdom everything you have learned with yourself, externally, internally, and then you actually rule your world, your business, right? It's so simple that we make it complicated.
0: Yeah. I've, I've gone through this experience of, um, you know, trying to slow down and just focus on the most important things. Um, cause I, I struggled with that so often having that discipline and, you know, like, like this feeling that if I wasn't doing something that I wasn't being productive, right. It's this old, and I've talked about this many times, the old, like corporate sales mentality, because I was in a sales role for a long time in my career where you have to talk to X or or reach out to X amount of people every day. And that's going to result in X amount of conversations, which is going to result in X amount of clients. And it's like, if I'm not having 10 conversations a week, then I'm not going to hit the numbers I need to hit in order to grow a business and feed my family. And so this creates this mindset of just hustling and hustling and powering through and just trying to work as hard as possible, not knowing if what you're working on is actually going to move the needle, you know? And so what I started to do was I just started thinking, okay, as a financial advisor, how can I add the most value for people? It's and it isn't tax planning like I can do that stuff. I'm a certified financial planner, but it doesn't get me excited. And if it doesn't get me excited, it's not going to get my clients excited. And if the clients aren't excited, then they're not going to have much success in reaching their goals. So how can I add the most value? And I spent almost my entire career on the investment side, like working with institutional money managers, learning from some of the most brilliant investing minds in the world. And I know the psychology of successful long-term investing, of how institutions invest their money. And I want to teach that to individuals. So we talked about this before, Kim, where like the hub of my business right now is the newsletter that I write because I could spend four or five hours researching something that's going on in the capital markets and writing about it and learning about it. And it doesn't feel like work, like at all. It's fun, you know? and. Knowing that, then I can start drilling down and, and saying, "Okay, how do I build structure around that?" Right. So, what I've done is, and we've talked about this before, is on Monday. There's there. Well, first off, each day of the week, there's like one thing that I need to make sure that I get done, and I'll sprinkle some conversations in as well, and, and some appointments. But on Monday, it's getting shit done around the house. <laughs> Because if I don't get the shit done around the house, it's going to be lingering over my head all week long, and it's going to make me less productive and more anxious. So that's my Monday. Tuesday is taking the newsletter that is a big folk, the hub of my business, and, and gets sent out on Saturday, is distilling that down into a, you know, two or three minute educational video, and that's my thing for Tuesday. Wednesday. I've got this podcast. And so Wednesday is um, to put together the trailer for the podcast, to promote the podcast. Then Thursday is that newsletter. That's my one thing. And then Friday, I do a little bit of prospecting. I reach out to, I I send out 10 connection requests to people locally here. And like that's it. And so I've got that structure. I I know who I am, um, how I can add the most value to others. And then it's just committing to it. And not necessarily knowing like what the outcome is going to be like, I don't know. I have no revenue targets. I don't know what my business growth is going to look like, but I'm pretty confident if I keep doing these things that are making me happy and making me a better financial advisor that the business will grow.
1: There's, there's so much intelligence. Any business owner needs to know their numbers, right? They, they need, but it's not constant. It's a one-time thing, right? Every year plan doing a bit of a projection of what you need to put bread and butter on the table, right? Having, having that part. So there's, there's a good piece of psychology there, but you said something so important. We've talked about this many times in our, in our personal chats, but it's putting a phrase around it of, if you are focused on the numbers, people become a number. That's all you see. So when you are focusing on the numbers or, crashing the, or you know, crushing the calls or when you're taught it's activity, 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 That's the worst thing for someone to hear, because when you're in a moment and you're failing and you're trying to move forward and do better and put structure around, if you hear the phrase, just activity, 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 you're just going to do more of the same stupid thing. What kind of activity do you need to do? Right. Activity of just getting really quiet, figuring out who you are, who's your ideal client. What are their pains, problems, needs, and gaps that you can talk to them as another human being? Not a check in the, in the corner or in the box. So that whole part of activity, 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 know your numbers, have your goals. What are the right goals? What is the right activity? And it's not just one singular thing. So I like, I love how, I actually love it, how you split your week apart. That makes sense. Make it obtainable. They're non-negotiables. You're going to show up and do it all the time. And it's a constant, consistent thing. Structure. As human beings, we need it. And if you lost that structure, you would go five steps backwards. Guarantee it.
0: So one of the things you mentioned a little while back there was about the financial advice industry is failing and has been failing. And you know, this is an opinion that I think, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but based on our conversations, I think we share this view that, you know, historically the financial advice industry kind of like leeches off of the rich folks. Right? We all <laughs> want to have the the multi-million dollar clients because then that's less work. We could have one client and make, you know, fifteen, twenty grand off that one client each year. Um, and then if people aren't rich, then the industry has historically just sold them products that they don't really need, so they can earn a commission. Um, and, and I believe, and I, I know you do as well, that what we need to do as an industry is help more people get wealthy. Like Focus on the fundamentals, the basic building blocks of having financial success. Help more people get wealthy, and then all of our businesses will thrive because we'll just have more customers. It's serving people first and letting the business be the residual. So anyways, all of that to say is I was just wondering if you can elaborate a little bit more on your point of the financial industry, the financial advice industry and how it's been failing.
1: This is a big one. We might have to have a, another, another conversation around it and just talking about this. And it's not just the corporate and the carriers and the manufacturers and the distributors. Advisors are in that bucket too. The ones that support advisors are in that bucket. And it's a very challenging situation. And there's so many different moving parts in there. Because even how we pay and compensate someone usually generates their behaviors. Right? That's totally makes sense. When you're in corporate, you have goals to hit, you'll get a bonus if you hit this goal. Right? So we're paying you that bonus, we're putting those targets to generate the behaviors we want out of you makes sense. So when you even look at the ability of if even if you're not for fee planning, and you're in the investment side, and you're looking at, there's a certain breaking point also, when it's not even financially worth an advisor's time to help and give advice to someone. And that's hard. Right? That's scary. So you as a good person want to be able to help this client. But you have to spend hours of time trying to help them. Right. So instead of that, you just kind of push them away. Well, there's brilliance in even what you're doing and what you're building out from the conversations we've had of help educate those individuals to get to that point. Not just say, you know, call me when you've hit 250,000 worth of investable assets, then we can talk. No, no, no. We have this wonderful thing called the internet. We have this wonderful thing called YouTube. We have these wonderful things of podcasts and conversations. So it's helping people understand how to get there. It's it's having that ability from compliance standpoint of having licensed advisors be able to have deeper and better conversations with educating the public on how to get to this point. It's looking at the compensation system. It's looking at you being an advisor yourself. We make really good employees. We make financial advisors really good employees, and you're not. You're a business owner, right? There are these pieces and these accountability pieces that you need to step forward to, not expecting the carrier, the distributor, the manufacturer to educate you with your business acumen. They're, They're there, the manufacturer, the product you sell. That's what they do, right? And they will teach you the bells and whistles of that product. It is not scalable and it is not their responsibility to teach you how to run a business. You actually just bought a franchise, right? When you become an advisor and you contract in, you bought a franchise. So will the franchise or the franchise that you bought from and bought into, will they give you some education and some training? Yeah, they will. Basic, really good education and training that you need. But that part to level up and do better and figure out how to scale and grow Because scaling and growth does not mean bigger, adding more. It means removing limitations. So at that high level, the manufacturer, the carrier, the corporate side can't help you with that part. right? That's when you need a coach. That's when you need someone who can step in and help you understand. And it's all about time. As advisors, we talk about long-term investing. We talk about diversification right? We talk about bringing all these separate pieces in, you know, invest in tech here and whatever natural. Do that for yourself in your business. It's the same thing. You have to invest into a social media person or whatever it may be. It's finding the right one and finding the right market. That's longevity and have sustainability and have been vetted, right? So we have a long way to go with playing our positions, all of us. Playing our positions. And it's not a magic wand thing. This is just a thing of truly voicing your opinion, belonging, and having these meaningful conversations that we have to have and show up in a way that is respectful. So when someone is making a point that you disagree with, but it's an important topic, you know, just say, I agree with you, Brian, that there's more, that this is an important conversation to have. And here's my viewpoint. That's how we start talking this through, right? My back's not up, your back's not up. I do it to you all the time. And I don't know if you know that, but I do it to you all the time when we chat. So it's a way of how do we have conversations? How do we show up in the industry? How are we going to play our positions? How do we train? How do we coach? How do we bring in the experts? It's a lot of stuff, right? So how do we start chewing this bite by bite? It's my mission on my side, and it's your mission on your side with a client it's It's a lot of conversation because we're stuck here we're so stuck
0: this mentality of um business, whether it's financial advice or any other type of professional service of being competitive is just detrimental that needs to go away because you know sharing that knowledge and that the cool thing I think about. What you teach is that you yes, you specialize with financial advisors, but I think it applies to any type of service business, especially today when you're using the internet and social media to try to build a business um, but again this this sense of other people being your competition is just silly you know, like collaborate, lift each other up, and each of you are going to level up your value, and then clients who like you are going to work with you and clients who like someone else are going to work with someone else that they can relate to more. So can you talk about that a little bit more? Like how does, whether, again, whether it's a financial advisor or just a service provider that's trying to build a biz, a
1: business on the internet today, how do they do that? I believe with you very strongly about collaboration because we, we try to be the knower of all and the doer of nothing. Right. We have the scarcity mindset, all of these pieces of, oh, my gosh, I need to do this. I need to take care of this. I can't let Brian in and and do that. Very difficult. We're building this community well, and it's a bunch of vetted service providers for anybody in advisory services. And actually, my largest clients now are outside of financial services, but they're advisory based. And so it's all the same thing, but it's that part of how do you build this community for the wellness of all? So that Kim can come in and coach and do her training and and business development programs and accountability things. Who's going to come do the marketing? Who's going to help with the branding? You know, all those pieces and getting that message out there. Because it's not, give me an idea as you were talking before, I'll give you a better one afterwards. But when we're looking at this digital world and how do you get your information out there and how do you get your voice out there? It's number one, it's that whole part of do it for you first. 100%. Do it for you first. And the things that you can't, so speaking of the financial services industry, the things that they tell you with compliance that you can't do is good because your client doesn't want to hear that crap. <laughs> it does nothing at all, right? Everyone goes and gloms onto their manufacturer, their carers' branding, or their client forward facing documents. You're making a really big mistake not adding on your voice, your emotional fingerprint. On your digital footprint. So yes, when you're looking at your digital footprint, you need to show some stuff with the carriers and you know get some brand recognition there because they understand the big brands. But you need more so of your emotional fingerprint on there. And the reason being, oh, this is maybe I get in trouble for this stuff that comes from a carrier manufacturer. It's boring it's really boring. It's a little catchphrase and it's someone skipping down a sidewalk or old people paddling a boat, whatever, right? Lighthouses and I don't know. Anyways, it's important, but it's their brand. That's that manufacturer's brand. That's not Brian's, right? That is to attract and speak to a large corporation that has a brand. So Brian needs to go put his emotional fingerprint and footprint out there on top of who are you associated with because they buy you. They don't buy the carrier provider and the ones that do, they're either people that are price-driven or label-driven. So are they truly your client, right? Right. So when we're showing up this digital footprint and and actually showing up today and finding clients, number one, it's for you. 100% for you. Your newsletter is amazing. You're researching. You're educating yourself. You're breaking it down using long-form content, and you've got probably about 172 posts from that and videos. You're having so much information to help and serve your client better. You're strengthening your brand. You're showing up more with confidence because you have knowledge and education. That's where confidence comes from. Something you've learned and done before, right? So it's that whole part of, it's not about the likes. It's not about the follows. It's not about that at all. I have 1200 followers on Instagram. I make pretty decent money. (laughs) I do okay, right? And I'm not some big tons of likes, tons of this and tons of that. It's meaningful clients that'll show up Stay on and say your name in the room. That's success.
0: Yeah, I find it so funny when you talk about how a lot of the messaging out there is so boring because, yeah, it is. It's it's like we're sick of corporations speaking to us. We want humans speaking to us. Um, and I like what you're saying about, you know, thinking of yourself as a business owner, because I think like whether you actually are a business owner or to your point if you're like a financial advisor that's an employee of a company you're still running your own business because your clients if if you like don't provide those clients with a good level of service and you end up having a lot of clients that leave well you're going to lose your job so you better view that as your business right but I think even in the more traditional sense of an employee moving forward it's it's going to be helpful to think in this way because whether you're trying to get new clients by being active on social media or you're just trying to establish more credibility and experience within your industry to maybe attract your dream job it would behoove you to think of what you're doing in the sense of being a business owner and the business being the life that you want to live would you agree with that
1: it is I would completely agree with that. This whole philosophy that I coach works for entrepreneurs and for entrepreneurs. I was so successful in my corporate life because I always took every position with a coaching approach and also with a whole part of I'm running my business, my division, what I'm responsible for, my territory is my, is my business. That's the way it is. It's 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 true so many different ways and places when we look outside even our own business, our own industry, our own job. You have a special franchise that you will go to on the other side of town because the one that is beside you, you don't like. I have a Tim Hortons that I go to. there's I can go 10 minutes this way or 10 minutes that way. I go to the one that's 10 minutes that way because they know my dog. They have special little treats for Callie and I love them in the, like they're wonderful people. I don't think of that being a Tim Hortons, I think of it being, you know, my little business that I'm supporting that's local. Right? It's all about how you show up and how you attack what you do for a living.
0: That's so inspiring to hear because you know, in the society that we live in right now where everything is so polarized and there's like sides that seem to like hate each other. All we want is this sense of community of people that we know, like, and trust and enjoy interacting with on a day-to-day basis. And it creates a tremendous opportunity for, for business owners, like just find your small community and serve your small community and live your life. We need more small businesses.
1: We do. We need more successful ones, right? That. Being a business coach, I look at all the stats and and I understand the stats and the data and like we're failing. And especially even too with COVID just happening and everyone with the great resignation and everyone opening businesses and living the dream and, you know, so many different pieces and everyone's jumping out there just doing it and listening to the BS social media hustle culture or, you know, you can do this and your side hustle and this and that and, and AI and If we haven't figured out by now, even by looking at the word of the year, that always comes out. Last year was authenticity.
0: Oh, was it? Doesn't surprise me. That was
1: the word. That was the most looked up word. If that doesn't scream at you what the world is looking for in 2024, right? So it's that pause, slow down, and look at the world around you. Your business model is around your neighborhood. Watch the people that are walking down the street, the the games, the sports, the small businesses. Your greatest marketing content, ideas, structure, formula is all around you. Open your eyes and take a look. So when it comes to when you asked about structure on social media, the more authentic you are, the more people are going to resonate with you because there is so much distrust out there in the media, in the news, in the politics, in relationships with people, gags, all the stuff that's not right and not real, right? People doing stupid things for likes. And you're like, crap, is that real? Fact checking, fake news, it's all over. What I ever thought that I would be, you know, fake news being a term when I was younger right? I was like, what's this stuff? So it is that part of screw up, fumble, be yourself, cry, get angry, but sit and have those conversations. And if people aren't willing to sit and have a conversation with you and understand that you're showing up because you want them to authentically win first, because Brian, if you win first, that means I get to win afterwards. That's how I live my life. And it's not about me telling you what to do. I show up every day to show you what to do, the teach and educate. So AI, whatever's happening, all these things more and more, it's a great tool to help you distribute your voice more or a check afterwards or something like that, right? But it's not going to take over the world. Your clients are not going to come from AI or robo-advisor or whatever it may be. They wanna have real conversations. They wanna feel like a human being, not feel shameful.
0: It's interesting in this technological world that we live in, where on one hand, it's really, really hard to slow down because there's so much out there. There's so many distractions pulling us in many different directions. But at the same time, if we use these tools in the correct way, it actually enables us to be able to slow down a little bit and figure things out. (laughs) And I like what you say about slowing down and looking at the world around you. It's such a hard thing to do. Not only, like I said, because there's all the technological distractions and everything and, and the world is just a fast paced world. But from a financial standpoint, I think so many people are afraid. Like, I've worked so hard to get my net worth to where it is right now and to get my income to where it is right now. I can't possibly slow down and watch my net worth fall or watch my income go down. But that's exactly what you need to do. Like I've, I've said this before, my net worth is significantly lower than where it was three years ago when I quit my job. But mm-hmm. I've also never been more confident in my family's financial future.
1: It's such a crazy thing. My hubby and I were talking about it even last night. Like I'm terrified. It's terrifying to go and hang your own shingle and bet everything on Kim. <laughs> <laughs> right? it, it is really hard. And Brian, I was making killer money, man, killer money, incredible money that I never, ever thought, you know, being in the top 2% is, is a little crazy, right? When I went and did my taxes and the girl looked at me and she goes, I hate you, (laughs) you know, because it's, it's, it's not normal, right? Or it's not the, the, the average, right? And I'm happier now than ever. I'm making thoughtful decisions. I'm I'm enjoying and appreciating the things I've purchased. I'm really thinking about the things that I'm buying. I'm not wasteful. My office is beautiful. I have such gorgeous stuff. People stop by and say, oh my gosh, are you interior designer? Nope. I bought everything from Marketplace <laughs> because I wanted this beautiful old furniture that people are throwing away and burning. And I love it. It looks so cool. When we just stop, slow down and actually... Money is nothing more than a tool. It's utilitarian. It enables you to do something by things. And you you can't focus on those. I understand the attachment to it. I get it. But also too, if you're not attached to money, you're also not going to your corporate job, grinding away, doing everything because you're fearful of getting laid off. Right? If you detach yourself from that dollar and understands your utility, money will always come. There's always that opportunity. It always comes. If you do the right thing, your mind's in the right place, your heart's in the right place. It always comes. Gosh, we're in North America, like Canada and the US. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's it's everywhere. There's money anywhere and everywhere.
0: Well, Kim, we could go on for hours and hours, but I think that's a A good place to stop actually that was a really good point that you made there so um we'll do it again sometime hopefully if you'll come on um but in the meantime if the listeners want to learn more about you and what you do where can they go
1: please hit all my socials so it's um the approach coaching methods probably the easiest way to find Uh, my name is kim skirmer and uh, i'm also under the social there but please my uh, calendar links everywhere book time. I'd love to just talk with people. I have a great time just you know, chatting. That's how Brian and I met. I'm here to help everybody just have a happier, better life and understand business and the way to go about it. Take your time with it.
0: Lift up those around us and we'll do pretty well as well. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you coming on and we'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening today. And if you have a moment, check out my website at reflectivewealth.com. Everything you need to know about my business is there. Because if there's one thing I've learned in my career, transparency and accountability are critical to a healthy financial services industry. Thanks and see you next time.